CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun Joke All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to, to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag leadership and hashtag talent. Today's topic is getting serious about enjoying work. And as guest for today's show is Charlie McMahon, who's the Vice President of IT and Chief Technology Officer with Tulane University. How are you, Charlie? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me this morning. Oh, great. I'm a pleasure to have you, and it's been always an honor to have you on our show. So this topic has been picked because while we go about doing our living our lives and doing our business or organizations running somehow to be profitable, there is an element which we just were talking before we got started is everything else could be simpler, but people side is the most complex and, and could be the stumbling block. As the, as the foundation of any individual who wants to maximize their potential, they want to make sure that they are aligning themselves to what they are naturally fit for and also what they are passionate about. So people, of course, try it, but then they compromise. They start working at places which not necessarily are using them to the fullest as a resource. But also the organizations may not always be looking at people as individuals who, if aligned properly to their own passions, then it will bring multitude of uh, value and also multitude of skills that they otherwise would, would have been left untapped. That said, uh, Charlie, when we look at this whole issue, we see that people drift, but do you feel there is enough thought put in into why people are drifting? It's because nobody's there to hold their hand, especially in an enterprise environment. Well, as you as you might expect, this is a very complicated question. You know, as you said a while ago, um, technology is easy, but people are hard, and 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 they're all individuals. Uh, and there's a, a variety of reasons why people don't. Um, you know, maybe don't have the best fit for the the job that they are currently occupying. And that fit, as you said, is really important. Um, you know, you need to not only be doing something that you enjoy um, to be happy, to enjoy your work, you need to be good at it. And part of being good at it, uh, you know, comes back to do you have the skills to be successful? Uh, does your boss or the organization make it clear what the objectives are? Uh, there's nothing more frustrating to your employees uh, than, than not to know what it takes to be successful. Uh, you know, I, I think everybody has a responsibility for making sure that, that uh, they enjoy work. But if you look at uh, at you know, kind of where I see the, the responsibilities break down, I go back to the old 80-20 rule. Yeah, you know, 80% of the reasons that people don't enjoy their jobs typically are the fault of management 
our leadership. And 20% of it, I think, is, is uh, the responsibility of the individual. Uh, so if we as, as leaders can do a better job of making sure that our employees know their expectations, know what we expect of them, uh, if we can do a better job of making sure that people have the skills they need to be successful, uh, that they have the opportunity for success, we've gone a long way to creating a workplace uh, that people would be excited about coming to every day. Um, so, you know, those are, I don't know, do you, do you kind of agree with that uh, train of thought? So what you just laid out essentially says that people ought to be doing what they are supposed to. So either people don't believe, if you don't see somebody doing certain thing, either they're afraid or they don't believe whatever, if that's going to, if I, I do that, that'll really get me the success. So they start looking at the reward before they even put in the, the effort. And third is there's no one perhaps there to hold hand or show them the path because perhaps those other people who they could be looking up to may be equally clueless. So if, if all of those are the stumbling blocks or, or, or the hindrances, then that, that's what perhaps may be causing it. So, so take, for example, an individual who is trying to you know, find their passion and then perhaps get the skills for it. Who is going to really say, okay, I'm going to stop everything and say, let me send you to a training because I find you as someone who has got a natural talent in this area? Would an organization keep aside its, its financial goals and other strategic goals to say, let me help this individual? Can that, that match happen? And are they going to spend the time or they will simply say, I have this person because, or I hired this person because this person had these skills, or perhaps I send this person to a training which I needed or we needed as an organization, and we started using them as a resource. So it's, it's, an, it's, it's company in versus employee out. So if that's the mindset that we have, and yes, we can go back to an individual who is supposed to change themselves. Of course, the ownership is theirs, but there has to be a support system. Is that well, available you're today? You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, there's, a, there's a real responsibility by the, uh, the, the company or the, 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 the entity that you work for. There's a real responsibility that rests with your, with your supervisor or management. And, and you have to, though, um, come back and acknowledge the responsibility that the individual has in this. Uh, and I've given this advice many times to people. You know, you are responsible for your career. It's not the company you work for. It's not your boss. It's not your, your uh, significant other. Uh, you're responsible for your career. And so, uh, you know, there, there probably are opportunities that can be afforded to you through your workplace. And, and those opportunities really have to be opportunities that align your interests with the interests of the or the strategic objectives of the company you work for. And to the extent that the things you are really interested and passionate about don't line up with the strategic objectives of your employer, then, then you can't really expect the employer to uh, help move you along that path. So you've got to take those responsibilities uh, for yourself. You've got to be able to recognize when there is something, a skill or a, an opportunity that 
moves you down the career path you want to go to that is in alignment with the company's strategic objectives. When that happens, a conversation with your supervisor probably is going to, to be beneficial because you're doing something for yourself and you're doing something for the company. But in those cases that you want professional development or, or uh, you, know, you know, a different kind of, um, uh, of skill set to, to take you down a path that diverges from what the company you're working for would see as a strategic objective, you've got to take those initiatives on your own. So it's, it's, it's not simply an either-or. So take an example of, suppose, uh, in your own group, and you, of course, don't have to take names, but there would be people who you could recognize or very well uh, be sure that these individuals are truly pursuing their passion and also have developed the skills to do it well, and as a result, they are doing different, new, or better things at a much better pace and in a... Uh, and creating a lot more value than the others. So can you see those visible signs and you can literally use that as a, as a business case, taking it back to HR and to leadership to say, guys, look, if we have this effort, uh, or maybe these individuals did what they did, but there are many others who are not. So imagine how much leakage that may be happening today and then have some investment made in that direction. Well, so first let me let me talk about you know, this concept of, of leakage or, or this idea that you go invest in people and they, and they get a, a new, more modern skill set or they just sharpen their existing skills, and that makes them more valuable in the workplace. And, and you know, one way to look at it is that simply drives up your cost of labor or in maybe another case, um, it actually results in those employees leaving for uh, uh, for a job with a different company. Uh, you know, I, I tell you, as a as a manager, as a leader, you've got to be okay with that. If if you hold back because you're afraid that you will give your employees a skill set that will make them more valuable in the marketplace than you, as a manager, can afford or that you're giving an opportunity to someone that uh, gives them skill sets that, that uh, give them the opportunity to go take a job somewhere else, uh, you've got to embrace that. Uh, your, your, your people working for you will be happier for having those opportunities. Uh, the workplace, your workplace will be richer and stronger for making those investments in your people. And everybody will get more enjoyment out of, uh, out of the, the workplace, not just the employee that is getting better skills and, and having more tools for success, but you as a, a manager are also gaining more tools for success. You're, you know, the, the, the tools that most managers have are not in the IT world, not that they can go lay hands on the keyboard themselves and do all these wonderful things, but that they've created a team uh, with, the, with the right skill sets to achieve positive outcomes for the company. And so to the extent that you are building that, those skills in your, in your employees, that gives you as a manager a better chance for success, and it makes you enjoy coming to work more. This is not 
you know, the, the, these kind of concepts apply to your, your boss and your boss's boss and to the employees that work for you. It applies to everyone in the organization. What you just mentioned about coaching and or mentoring someone out of the organization, do you think such organizations exist with that level of openness at least among the management, that let's see who who essentially is was a misfit or has become a misfit because we change directions, etc., and and really have that open conversation, and you're able to get the other person, that is the employee, to have that open conversation with you that I'm no longer relevant to this organization, but I definitely need the skills to move out and so help me, help invest in me so I can go and work somewhere else and, and a good riddance basically for both parties. Do you think we are in that utopic world yet? Well, you know, I, I tell you, I, you know, higher education may be a little different. Um, you know, people look at it and, and think we're way different. But yeah, I think that it's pretty common in higher education that if, uh, if you have someone whose skills have become obsolete, and we'll go go back in time a little bit to uh, to the point in time when we were all retiring our mainframes. And as we as we got rid of our mainframes, the generation of people that that made their living as COBOL programmers uh, found that they were no longer a fit in the organization. Uh, and and so some of those folks uh, made the transition into more modern technologies. They became system administrators on on Windows or Linux environments, uh, they learned to speak uh, C or C++ or C Sharp instead of simply speaking COBOL, and they made the transition very, very nicely. And it was the it was the universities that that brought the training and the skills to those people that allowed them to make that transition. So, and then of course you have a, a group of folks that really don't want to make the transition. And I'll tell you, most of them have, during that period, did quite well uh, because the, the number of, of good COBOL programmers at that time was shrinking, and the people that were still in the mainframe business needed them. So, you know, there were really good outcomes from that, uh, from that change. Uh, but let me talk about another, another way where we mentor people out of the organization. Uh, and I guess I, I will say this is common in higher education uh, as well, uh, and I've given this advice to many people that have worked for me. You know, you are working to better yourself, to improve yourself all the time. You're getting new skills, you're getting new experiences, you're, you're supervising people, you're managing projects, you're managing budgets, and pretty soon you look around and, and say, I'm ready to take the next step in my career. The chances are that the next step in your career, the job that is just right for the skills and experiences you have, uh, it's, it's more likely that job is going to exist at another uh, employer than it will be at your uh, current employer. Just the, as they would say in the Hunger Games, the odds would be in, in your favor uh, in that instance. And so I've, I personally have, have mentored um, uh, several people that have gone from working for me to being sitting CIOs at other universities. Uh, and, and when those people were ready to make that step, uh, you know, they, they found themselves blocked. Uh, you know, either I have to get fired or, or win the lottery uh, to open my job up. 
But when they were ready, there were, there were CIO jobs available at other universities. And so to, to be able to take that next step, they had, to, they had to be mentored out of the organization. And I tell you, I'm, I'm really pleased to have been able to do that. I had a stronger organization for having them work for me, for developing those skills to the point that they were able to, um, to compete successfully for a CIO job. And I tell you also the, the effect that that had on the rest of the organization to see that there are career paths and advancement opportunities that you're not just going to get stuck behind the, the person that's, uh, that's on top of you, uh, that was a real positive uh, in the workplace as well. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, we'll be right back, and let's actually evaluate. So it's just lucky that, um, Charlie, your organization supported it and some of the things which other organizations may not be doing. Now, there are some risks, and in many cases, there's also an opportunity cost of us not helping the individuals who work uh, to find their own passion, and if required, we could mentor them out and, and where they find their true uh, calling, if you will. So what is it that the risk and damage it may be causing, and can it realistically be quantified so that there is some effort put in, which is not lip service alone or not just a trivial effort, but a serious effort put towards getting to understand what individuals want today at a current state, given the current environment and where you're going as an organization, and then going through that formal process and measurable process for them to be able to find their calling, and that way we'll all be happy. What's going on in that regard? How much of that is an art form versus a science? Let's explore that when we come back. Please stay tuned, listeners. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So uh, 
when we look at the risks or damage this could cause, or, or if, if there is a measurable approach to say, what's the leakage or what's the opportunity cost of us not working with these individuals to find their calling and get them the right skills, is, 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 there, is there some formal approach to it, is it, or is it just an art form and we have to kind of find our way through? Well, as I said earlier, you know, technology is easy, people are hard. So you really have to work at this. You have to work at it deliberately. So let me, let me answer the first part of your question. You know, what are the risks or what damage can it cause? And I've seen this a few times in my career, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to resonate with uh, your listeners to a degree. Uh, sometimes you have a, a, an employee who's a really good employee, and then, and then you start over time seeing behaviors change. Uh, and, and sometimes you can attribute this to dissatisfaction in the workplace. They don't feel like they've got promotional opportunities. They, they don't feel like their skill sets are advancing. Uh, and so it, it's, I mean, I've seen it several times where if you're not paying attention to professional development on your team, that people's, uh, I'll say their their opinions of themselves, their self-esteem starts to go down, and that that gets uh, reflected throughout the entire organization, and it can be contagious. You know when you know when you have people that are unhappy, and by the way, frequently it's not just one person because if you're not paying attention to professional development for a particular individual, chances are there are many individuals you're not. Uh, paying attention to in terms of professional development. And so that dissatisfaction becomes contagious, and it really does um, make your operation less efficient, less effective. That's a, a real risk, uh, I think, to, to building a successful organization. And so my approach has always been to be very deliberate uh, about this. Uh, I'm, I try to be very conscientious about about my organizational structure, uh, particularly paying attention to spans and, and layers. Uh, you know, I don't want somebody that is supervising too many people or so many people that they can't um, effectively manage them all. I don't want to have uh, managers who are supervising so few people, it doesn't really make sense to have a manager. You've got to get that, that sort of thing right. The other thing that kind of goes along with that uh, is you've got to you've got to be deliberate about succession planning. So particularly for your key positions, and and key positions are not simply the leadership positions, but they are uh, uh, key technologies uh, in your organization. Uh, everything that you do quite likely is necessary for the successful operation of the enterprise. And if you are not deliberate about understanding uh, succession planning uh, when someone gets mad and leaves or when someone gets uh, an opportunity for promotion, internal or external, and leaves a hole in the organization, that, that means you're not prepared to fill that hole. Uh, you haven't been deliberate in thinking about it. And that causes problems in the organization. So I guess my message is this stuff is important. Uh, you know, you think as a, as a manager, you think as a CIO, you've got a technology job, but really what you have is a leadership job, and it's your job 
to make sure you've got the right people in the right job all the time. Uh, and if you if you take your eye off the ball, uh, it can cause all kinds of problems in the organization. So you did mention that there would be a way to uh, at least quantify, right? Am I, am I understanding you correctly? Would you say, is it quantifiable? Because most people, when you just say, oh my God, the, the sky is going to fall and it's it's going to create that leakage, then it's it's not really taken seriously, and that's why most organizations struggle. Have you found a way to actually make a business case so that you can get some funds and some spare time for these individuals to realign themselves? Well, so I'll, I'll say I've always been successful at um, investing in my team. Uh, that's true at Tulane. It was true when I was at LSU. It was true... Um, um, uh, far beyond that, and and yes, I I simply go make the case that that particularly in technology, you have to stay current with your skill sets or you become irrelevant. And you know it's pretty easy to go to your HR department, for example, and say, you know, I can invest in training for people uh, and give them a little training every year, or every three or four years, uh, I've got to. Uh, replace people and hire new people, and what's the cost of that? I mean, it's pretty easy to make a a, a business case. Uh, and you know, and again, I'll say also the money that we're talking about doesn't necessarily have to be a lot. You know, uh, a training class here or there. Sometimes doing it online. Sometimes simply opportunities for uh, people to uh, to be part of. Uh, working groups on a similar topic that may be cut across uh, different uh, corporations. So, you know, all the Oracle database uh, uh, developers and DBAs uh, in New Orleans uh, have, you know, groups that they get with where they meet with each other, uh, share ideas, pointers. That doesn't really cost you anything. Um, You know, you just have to make those opportunities known uh, to your employees and encourage them to uh, participate. So now when we discussed uh, these different areas about, okay, so organization is ready to support, etc. Now the bigger question is, do you think somebody who's an employee and knows that that's how they pay their bills, are they going to open the can of worms, which in their view would could be a can of worms, which renders them redundant? How do you get them out of that and offer them the immunity so that they speak up? One is that your interpretation, but there could be much more hidden. Well, so, you know, this is a, uh, you know, a a difficult question. One of the things I I always tell people is come back to the, the, you know, what I said earlier. You're responsible for your own career. So if you see that you're, um, you're not, Clear about what your future in the organization is going to be. You you understand that there are changes being made in the uh, in in your work environment. Uh, you you have an obligation to yourself, to your family, uh, and to the the organization you're working for uh, to speak up and say, you know, hey, how how do I fit into this, and what do I need to do to be uh, a part of uh, the direction that we're headed. You know, you can't um, you can't simply assume that somebody is going to do that for you 
uh, you've got to be an active participant. Now, um, when we when we look at this whole process of us trying to not exactly retrofit, but clean the house or, or get to see what mistakes were made or what the misalignment was. Do you think we could solve this problem by starting today, at least by hiring properly? Is there any changes that you would recommend that we, we, we put in place in terms of hiring so that when the newer talent comes, there is an actual alignment and not just the job description, but the way you see that person's the way you screen that person has, so I, has I a that, direct correlation. But I think you're on to an important, uh, important concept. Uh, and so I'll tell you the way that I look at hiring for key positions uh, in my shop, uh, we advertise a job, we collect a pool of, of talented candidates, we screen those, uh, down to, say, the final two or three, maybe sometimes four people. By the time we get to that point, everybody in the search pool is qualified. And here's where I think people sometimes make uh, a hiring mistake. Uh, you try and go through that pool and try and figure out who is the most qualified. And, uh, and I think that's the wrong approach. Once you've got a pool where everybody is qualified, everybody can do the job that you're, that you're advertising for, the deciding factor for me is, is organizational fit. How is this person going to fit in with the team? Uh, are their personalities and their philosophies about work, uh, their approaches to analyzing problems, do they fit in well with the, with the rest of the team? And my, my view is that if you pay attention to that organizational fit, you are much better off than you are trying to find who the smartest person is, who has the most degrees, or who, uh, you know, who speaks the most languages. Uh, you've got to have that organizational fit very high in the priority list, once, again, once you've determined that the candidate pool is filled with qualified people. That becomes the deciding factor for me. And when you say that that organizational fit and and the team fit, it is still external, right? And of course, let alone somebody working for you for 10 years has tough time divulging what they truly are thinking on where they truly want to go. And now you're talking about hiring someone, bringing them on, and you're trying to screen them for organizational fit and, and those type of things. But that do you know whether the person is making a compromise coming in because well, he may not be finding so a job elsewhere? Yeah, so you really don't. And, and I'll, I'll say, you know, some people feel like they get trapped in, in jobs because maybe the economy's bad and they're, you know, they're worried if they leave the job they're in, they're not going to be able to find another comparable position. You know, I mean, there are lots of things that might keep a person um, from moving out of a job that they are uncomfortable with or not, you know, not suiting what their, what their current plans are. Um, so, so when you are interviewing people, you may be interviewing people that, that, you know, for, for whatever sin, whatever reasons going on in their personal life, uh, are willing to make compromises in the, in the job they accept to put food on the table or, you know, whatever the, you know, their circumstances may be. So yes, you can make mistakes. You can get fooled. People can fool themselves. 
So I'll come back to to kind of a, a, a tried and trued a tried tried and true mantra uh, that goes along with hiring. Uh, quick to quick to uh, I'm sorry, slow to hire, quick to fire. Uh, you know, you need to be careful and deliberate when you are when you are hiring, and try and get the person that has the right skills and the right the right uh, approach to uh, to fit in the organization. But if you make a mistake, you need to recognize it uh, as early as you can and correct it. Um, you know, most people, most of us are probably in organizations that have kind of a de facto six-month trial period, if you will, or probationary period. Uh, you know, you really need to very quickly assess whether the person you've hired is really, uh, really the person for the job that you thought they were when you made that hire. If not, you've got to, you've got to correct that early in the process rather than later. Let's take a quick break, listeners, and we'll be right back. And, and let's ask ourselves a fundamental question about how do we know that this individual is truly enjoying the work and, and there is an alignment that the person was himself or herself looking for and that what we also wanted. What are the signs? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, how does one know if... Uh, they are really enjoying their job. I'm not talking about the individual, but person outside in. So you as a leader, how would you know that this person is totally digging it versus winging it or or just being complacent and saying, okay, this is my life. I accept it. So I'll just be happy. Well, so this is a, a really tough question. If I knew the answer to this, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd be, I'd be uh, making millions of dollars as a, uh, I tell as a you. consultant. Sure. Uh, this is a this is a tough question. 
So, uh, but there are some things you can look for. And one is, you know, the cohesiveness of the team that, that this individual will be part of. You know, if, if, um, you know, if they are kind of uh, not really serious about it, just kind of faking it, kind of doing, you know, what's, you know, what they have to to get by, but really not into it, it shows up in the interactions they have with the rest of the team members, the people that work with them every day. And if you pay attention to the team dynamics, you probably get early indications of whether the person is really uh, committed, uh, whether it's really a, um, uh, a good fit for them, and whether they're really going to be happy on the tr career path you put them on. Uh, I remember a time early in my career, I was working for Texas Instruments, and in their government contracting um, side of their uh, their business, and I went to a job fair to hire some um, some folks, and these were going to be, I'll say, junior level managers. And and I got a hold of a resume and did a did an interview at this job fair with a guy that was mustering out of the army. Uh, impressive resume. Uh, he had he had used a lot of the equipment that we were building uh, on contract for the uh, Department of the Army. Uh, you know he had supervised. You know he was he was mustering out of the Army as a as a junior colonel. If I I don't have that the rank quite exactly right in my memory, but he was a senior officer uh, in the Army, and you know by far the most qualified of the people that I talked to. So we offered him the job, and he came to work for us, um, and and we found that it just wasn't a fit. You know, he was used to commanding, and literally commanding is the right word. Um, you know, several hundred people. Uh, his decisions uh, didn't get questioned by his subordinates. Uh, he had um, uh, discretion over how he spent his money. I uh, was held accountable only for end results or our objectives, and we put him in a in a job where uh, he had the the skills, the the talent, the experience to be successful, but it wasn't um, it wasn't a fit for him because culturally uh, he couldn't make that transition at least very quickly from you know a military mindset to a commercial mindset, and you know, it turned out to be a disaster, and it was um, apparent not right away, but probably within three months or so, that this just wasn't uh, wasn't a good idea, wasn't a good fit. So, I, I guess my uh, my bottom line here is you got to pay attention. Uh, you can't just make a hire, throw somebody in, um, and uh, and expect everything's going to work out. Uh, now, let me let me say one other thing about that. Um, I also think there is real responsibility on the person that is being hired and taking a job. As, as my, uh, my grandmother told me one time when I was kind of moping around as a, as a probably a lovesick teenager, uh, you know, she set me down and said, you know, Charlie, happiness is a choice. And, and sometimes uh, it's as simple as that. And sometimes, you know, you, get, you hire people and, and perhaps – this wasn't their dream job. You know, maybe they've been 
laid off in the past and the jobs they've had in the past have been uh, had had more significant responsibilities, maybe higher pay. But you know, this is the job they have now, uh, and and sometimes the conversation has got to to be. Uh, simply, you know, this is this is your life, and you can choose to be unhappy and miserable about it, or you can choose to be happy. So there is some responsibility, uh, again, that that is with the employee, the individual, uh, for their happiness. Now, do you do you see that in IT more than any other place? There is always something new coming up, and people get excited. And by design, it seems like. Uh, folks who join IT, they become ready to take on something new. But just to chase something new doesn't necessarily take away what they really always wanted to do. And if you don't see someone chasing something new or not embracing new technology, to some extent, we also have a stigma attached that this person is not progressive enough and this person wants to stick around with what he or she knew. How do you how do you get over this? Do you think there is a risk of having a false positive because well, of this? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Uh, you raise a good point. Uh, I will say though, you know, in IT things are kind of dynamic. Um, uh, education maybe uh, pushes that needle a little bit more in some respects, but in most of our enterprises. Uh, we are really still quite conservative, and and there really is a place for people that want to come in and understand your core technologies and and dedicate themselves to being excellent at at um, supporting those core uh, business processes and business technologies that are that are not as volatile and dynamic as uh, you know the the uh, the next new thing that comes along the internet of things are are embracing uh, mobility in the workplace or all those these things that are so dynamic that come at us there's still this core of of technologies that are slow to change uh you know most of us don't go in and change our core business processes as rapidly as we change uh, you know, say our mobile platform or mobility platform. Uh, so there's a there's a place I think room for both kinds of people or both people that that enjoy both that dynamic, uh, you know, rapid pace. Nothing ever stays the same. And there's room for those people that that really like a little more stability and like to dig in deep and be the the real experts on some of your core business applications. Now let's throw another curveball at this whole situation where if somebody always gets gung-ho about any new thing that comes out, maybe IoT, mobility, you name it, but then you find that the person doesn't have that innate talent, they just have this technology ADD, if you will. And and you, while you don't want to demotivate that person, but that person may not be as effective because they perhaps don't have the talent, they just are excited about the new shiny toy. Well, you, you you obviously see that, um, but your job as a manager is is to be successful. When you have an initiative that you uh, undertake, typically what I do is uh, get with my leadership and talk about the um, the project and the objectives, the outcomes that we want, and start building the team of people that that are going to work on that project. And what happens pretty quickly 
uh, if you if you see people that are excited and always are raising their hand and always volunteering, but they're really not delivering the goods, you know, pretty soon they're being picked last to be on the team. Uh, you know, kind of like when I was when I was playing basketball. Uh, you know, I was enthusiastic. I was a pretty pretty big, tall kid, but man, there were better basketball players than than I was, and you know. You know, I wanted to be in there every game, but I'm not always the, you know, over time, people started to understand there, there were better players, and if you wanted to win, you know, I might be sitting on the bench. That happens in um, in business as well, and it's the manager's responsibility uh, to make sure that the teams are putting together not only have people that are enthusiastic, but have the skills to actually get the job done. Who is accountable and responsible in your view in order for us to make sure that the effort that we are putting in terms of aligning this individual's own personal passion and the career that they choose with the organization, uh, who, who is taking on this? You mentioned you as a leader spend the time. Do you think HR comes, talks to you? And you guys formulate a strategy. Do you think your organizational leaders, they say, we are going to jump in and then your managers and everyone. So is that a team effort or is it an individual sport? No, I think it's a team effort. Um, you know, it varies. The, the, the amount of involvement your HR department would have in this varies. Uh, I've worked in some places where uh, where you had to present a formal succession plan for key positions. Uh, I've worked at others that uh, where the central uh, HR organization uh, isn't uh, involved in tracking that at all. Um, I think it's the responsibility of, of basically three groups of people. First is the, the employee themselves, and, and I said this earlier in the show, but you are responsible for your own career. Uh, you know, you can't assume that your boss or your company is going to plan your career for you and give you every opportunity that, that you need to be successful. Uh, it is the responsibility of senior leadership uh, to make sure that, that you are building a structure that has the, the, the skills that you need, uh, the employees that you need, and that can't be done by simply by um, an individual. It can't be done by the, the CIO. That has to be pushed down to every management layer in the organization. Everybody has to have that as a priority, as a, as a deliberate part of their management process, uh, or you will not be successful. Let's take a quick break when we come back and, and let's talk about the things that you've done in terms of this alignment and what have been the, the advantages to it and what are the lessons learned. If you had to do some of the things that you did earlier, not just the hiring areas, but also in, in helping people aligning the passion, and you might also know of others who may have attempted it. What are the learnings? Because assuming we all learn more from our mistakes. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com. 
forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Jog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Jog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Charlie, how about looking at some of the challenges that you may have already dealt with and what were the learnings and what were the successes and and things you would do differently? Well, so I'm, I'm going to go back in my career a little bit and talk about you know some of the things I would have done differently early in my career, the things that I'm doing differently now. Um, you know, I, I have come to recognize and appreciate that that you've got to have diversity in your workforce if you're going to be successful in today's world. Uh, in you know, in my early career, uh, I didn't pay attention to that. I you know, if I were were trying to uh, build the organization, uh, staff people, we ended up hiring people that looked like the people we already had. Uh, so our our uh, racial diversity was not what I would have liked it to have been. Our gender diversity was not uh, what it needed to be. And, and I've come to believe that is a very important part of building healthy, successful organizations. And it's something you have to be deliberate about. Uh, in, in technology, uh, gender diversity is a very difficult uh, uh, issue. And, and I'm not going to get these statistics quite right, but uh, back around uh, the year 2000, roughly 20% of the people entering the uh, IT workforce were women. Uh, today, that no, well, not today, but in 2010, that number was about 9%. You know, real decline in the number of women that are uh, pursuing technology, uh, information technology, as a career. Uh, I think that's something that, that we've really got to work hard on if we're going to have good, healthy, productive uh, uh, workplaces. And, and beyond that, I'll, I'll, I'll say a, make a broad, big-picture statement. If we leave essentially half of our workforce on the bench because 
for whatever practices we have, we are not attracting women into information technology, we cannot be competitive in the global economy. Uh, so this is something that, you know, that plays out uh, broadly across the spectrum, but that's something I would have done differently in my early career that I pay a lot of attention to now uh, is, uh, is diversity in the workplace. Uh, and, and you can't focus just on one demographic. You've got to have broad diversity if you're going to compete. Even in a local environment, you've got to have broad diversity if you're going to be competitive. If you were to look at the type of educations or discussions or training that have to happen, and they are deliberate attempts, not you know, as instances where, wherever it's convenient. How do you make this more of a, an, an active, deliberate, and conscious effort, not only put by you as the topmost leader, but also the ones who report to you, who in turn are also responsible for making sure that their own reports or reportees are, are the ones who are always aligned? What is it that you're doing? What's, what's that system, if you will, that you, you feel should be in place? Uh, well, if I if I had a good system, I'd describe it to you. But but the system that we use is simply frequent uh, communications. We talk about uh, the the topics of of hiring uh, frequently. When we hire somebody, what kind of person we want to hire, what kind of skills uh, that we want them to have, what are the minimum job qualifications. I'll tell you, it's it's kind of a um, uh, a little bit of anomaly in uh, in IT, uh, you know, particularly university, we have a tendency to want people with degrees, and sometimes you know the more degrees the better. Uh, but I'll tell you, in in information technology, it's not as much about the degrees as it is about what you know and what you're able to do. Uh, I've I have people working for me now, and I've had people working for me in the past. Some of the best employees that I have or have ever had uh, that did not have a college degree, uh, but they had invested in the uh, in the skills that they needed to be successful in in this industry. And those, by the way, so those are sometimes the most motivated, interesting people. They are pursuing their passion, uh, not necessarily pursuing uh, the degree and all of the things that. Uh, that go around with that. Uh, so I think you've got to be uh, very clear about what you need for success uh, and make sure that when you're crafting your job descriptions that you are describing uh, the prerequisite for success, not simply uh, uh, putting a, a list of things that can be used to disqualify people. Uh, and, I will, and I will say that becomes a, an issue when you're talking about uh, diversity in the workplace. Sometimes if you go in and have uh, unreasonable or, or unnecessary educational requirements as part of your job description, uh, you will leave uh, parts of the, um, uh, of the demographics uh, out of the equation because perhaps they don't have that particular degree in the proportions that uh, another uh, group might have. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, I don't say I have a formula, but we talk about it every single time. And maybe that is my formula. Every single time we make a hire, 
we have discussions about what we need, what's the, what's the strategic importance. If we lose a COBOL programmer, are we hiring a COBOL programmer or are we hiring a .NET programmer? We, we make those dis, uh, have those discussions in light of what, uh, what our strategic objectives are and then trying to find the skills that we need appropriately. That's, that's kind of an uh, uh, important part of our process. On behalf of our show and the listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Charlie, for sharing your thoughts on how individuals can work towards aligning their career and passion and actually join the organizations where they feel they will be able to pursue their dreams. But more importantly, the organizations who already have such people who have dreams and have the passions and the skills, they should be doing what they're supposed to do in order to kindle the fire in each of them and as a result benefit. Thank you so much again, Charlie. Thank you for, for having me today. Thank you once again. Uh, listeners, hope you enjoyed, got some value. Hope you'll kindle the fire in your own career and with passion. Uh, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovation.